So do we want to intro at the top, or do we want a cold open? Let's intro. Uh, okay, I was going to say, I guess this is a tiny cold open. Um, welcome to the Smooth Burrito. We don't have a tagline yet, because we barely have a name. <laughs> Burritos are smooth. What did I write after, uh, <laughs> about the tagline, or about the title that also works for the tagline? Um, it's not good, but it's funny. <laughs> That's the one. Uh, we'll go with that for now, but yeah, this is the Smooth Burrito. It is a new podcast that Trev and I are doing that basically is from the ashes of Mission Objective. From the ashes. Because war never changes and neither does podcasting. True that. But, anyway, um, do we want to talk about what we've been playing first? Yeah, let's do that, man. You go ahead first. Yeah, I'm sorry, I'm going to be calling out the structure of this thing for the first couple episodes until we get it nailed, I think. I have been playing a lot of Tekken 7 lately. Oh, really? Yeah, I'm trying to get back into that game because I have a few friends. One who's basically the same skill level that I am, and another one who wants to get into it. And then Ian plays it with his brother still, so... There are a few people, like, there's an actual scene for it as opposed to Third Strike where it's really, like... Me and my roommate, and that's it. <laughs> <laughs> and then our friend Charles, who beats our ass. <laughs> right. Yeah, I've never been that great at fighting games. I love fighting games, but I just always struggle with them on, from a competitive standpoint. Yeah, well, um, Tekken is not the fighting game to pick to get into if it's your first fighting game, I don't think. I don't know, maybe there's some people who will say that that's uh, incorrect, but like, I have trouble with it. I'm not good at combo-heavy stuff. I tend to pick characters where it's more about reading your opponent and knowing what they're going to do and doing a few big damage moves than, like, doing crazy combos, and Tekken is all about those air juggles. Right, right. For sure, yeah. Other than that, I've been playing Minecraft. Are you serious? Yeah. Oh, wow. Um, Is this you getting back in Minecraft? Yeah, I, I... Okay. Hadn't touched that for, like, a year? And they added a ton of shit. Oh, yeah, I'm sure, man. I haven't touched Minecraft in ages. Although, one of the games that's on my list that I've been playing lately is very relevant to the Minecraft conversation, and that I have been playing Dragon Quest Builders 2. How is that? I thought about it, but I was like, eh, I don't, I don't know... I don't know where it stands on, like, the continuum of Dragon Quest versus Minecraft, I suppose. Sure, so it's like mine so if Minecraft had this like fleshed out story and world and lore and all this shit that um Dragon Quest has, that that's what Builders uh gives you. Um you if you're into Dragon Quest, you'll like uh you'll like Dragon Quest Builders too, I think. Uh unless you absolutely hate building shit, because there's a lot of that. But I really um, just enjoy, like, how relaxing the game is, honestly. Um, The soundtrack is top-notch, in my opinion. Absolutely love it. Um, The, like, way it introduces you to building certain structures um, and, like, engaging with new materials and farming for resources, but also has, like, this big like story that you're following 
from start to finish and it is a long fucking game dude like so i went to like the first island built up all the shit spent i don't know 30 hours maybe even Damn. more there um i thought that was the whole game apparently there's eight of those or something like that jesus christ <laughs> so yeah it's a huge fucking game um with tons and tons to do and like basically you pull you go to each of these islands you follow the story um and it introduces you to new mechanics and new resources and you take some of those resources and mechanics back to your like home area it's like this main hub um and once you visit all the worlds, you have access to all the resources and, and shit like that that you can use in your main hub to just build whatever you want. Uh, and the Japanese people have gone absolutely insane with this, obviously. Uh, and if you go on, like, YouTube or even... They even have, like, this post board uh, in Builders 2 where you can look at, like, crazy images of shit that people have built uh, in that game. And it's, it's absolutely insane. You know, I, I gotta wonder, just from kind of a business standpoint... I don't know how big Minecraft is in Japan, but if it's not, I wonder if uh, someone at Square saw, like, Minecraft's popular. Dragon Quest sells like hotcakes here. What if we combine the two? Yeah, that had to have been... That had to have been what started it, for sure. I mean, Dragon Quest, anything sells like hotcakes over there. And I don't mind it. I mean, as far as, like, Minecraft alikes or ripoffs or however you want to phrase it... This one at least comes from an original place and does things with the formula. It's not like that one on 360 that was just a clone. Right, right. Um, this is the, yeah, for sure. And this is definitely not lazy in any way, shape, or form. Like, this is extremely fleshed out to a point that I, I was not expecting whatsoever. Yeah, I might check it out. Um, I don't use my Switch much, and I need to start... Danny's been playing Cadence of Hyrule and almost has it beat. Nice. It's a good game. Um, frustrating at times, but a good game. Cadence of Hyrule. Yeah. Anything else you're playing other than Minecraft and Tekken? Um, not really. Like, I, I bought a bunch of games in the Steam sale, and I either have booted them once or not at all. Right. And I need to fix that. Um, That's what happens. Yeah. Like giant backlog as always but i have a weird itch to play tf2 it's like i'm going back to stuff that i know is good and i haven't just i haven't touched in a while right yeah no i hear you um i have actually been playing another game on my switch uh the switch actually had a ton of games this summer that have been pretty great so i've felt a lot less in a drought than typical summers I've been playing Fire Emblem Three Houses. Um, I'm a huge Fire Emblem fan, and this one changes the formula up quite a bit uh, in terms of a Fire Emblem game. I don't know if you played many Fire Emblem games. I was a big fan of all of the ones pre-Shadow Dragon. You know, that shitty 3DS remake, uh, or not 3DS, that shitty DS remake of the first game. That basically okay. killed the hype for me, and I think also that like, Awakening was the last... Like, it was either... This game is either good or we're screwed when that came out, but I never played it. Dude, Awakening was so good. Um, Awakening was, like, kind of almost what made Fire Emblem mainstream, essentially. Yeah, I know. Yeah. 
And speaking of, like, old man rants, like, I feel like it, they kind of got too into the relationship system stuff for my taste. Like, I don't care about shipping in the slightest, so it doesn't right. really add anything for me. Yeah, some people, re- some of the Fire Emblem hardcore fans really do, though, and I'm not really into it that much either, and Fates went totally overboard with it, uh, in my opinion. Um but this one keeps it quite subtle. I mean, there's definitely relationship building and marriage and all that shit and three houses, as you would expect in a Fire Emblem game. But it doesn't affect the game so significantly, and it doesn't hardcore focus on it either. Um, in fact, it, it's kind of weird because you're a professor, and the people that you're eligible to have relationships with are your students, although you can't have relationships with them until the time jump when they're not your students anymore type thing. It's all kinds of weird. Ah, but... uh, thanks, Japan. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Fire Emblem Three Houses is great. Uh, it, it starts off as basically a Persona game. Almost, you would say, like, you're going through days uh, of the month and you have, like, main missions at the end of each month um, that need to be accomplished by your house. Um, You pick one of three houses to be the, you know, leader slash professor of uh, toward the beginning of the game. And basically throughout, I'm only, I'm like 15 or so hours in uh, and I'm still in this beginning phase where you're like, training up your people so like you're a professor and you spend this time and you go through like a battle every once in a while it's not too often you spend a ton of time like side like doing like optional quests getting to know characters better um reclassing and leveling people up um you can tell that this is kind of the build-up uh and preparation for something much bigger um, that's going to come in what I read to be the big time jump uh, at some point in the game. I don't know when that is, because like I said, I'm pretty far in. Um, although I think that I read that this game is like 80 hours long or something for the first playthrough. Wow. So, yeah. Um, once you hit that time jump, I think I think a lot of the beginning part is like preparation for that time jump. It allows you to really customize your, your squad, um, recruit all the people you need, uh, get everybody everybody class the way you wanted to want them to be um basically have you know the right people using the right weapons etc so that way when this time jump does happen you're not stuck uh between battles doing a lot of this like restructuring reclasses reclassing of your characters you kind of have everything ready to go which i i'm kind of excited to see how that plays out yeah that sounds pretty rad and it's on Switch, so I can actually play it, because the problem with the other Fire Emblem games is that I only had a 3DS for, like, two months before I had to sell it. Right. Um, but yeah, yeah it's, I might check it runs that out. pretty well on Switch, too. It, it runs pretty well on Switch, too. I mean, it doesn't look the greatest. Um, there's definitely Switch games out there that look a lot better. Um, but, but the game's great. Yeah, at least all the characters have feet this time. <laughs> yeah. God damn it. But uh, did you have anything else, or should we get into some news? Let's get into some news. That's all I was playing. I'm going to have to come up with jingles for shit. I'll probably just uh, use the the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles news jingle and then put some air horns at the end or something. That sounds so awesome. 
<laughs> but anyway, uh, the thing I want to talk about is uh, GameStop is in a death spiral. Oh, God. And they have recently announced that they're firing a bunch of their district managers and regional managers, which uh, is not a good look for any store ever. No, it's definitely not. I feel like um, whoever bungled like them getting bought out is kicking themselves. And I yeah. don't know. I feel like at this point they either get like bought for pennies or they die. Yeah, man. I mean, they're. I just don't. So this, I'm somebody who used to buy games at GameStop just for the convenience of being able to trade shit in. Um, the rewards points gave me a lot of coupons. Like I saved some money here and there. Uh, I like never go there anymore. Period. I mean, like the last thing I bought at a GameStop was like. Aim. It was like some fucking toy or something yeah. for my kid. The yeah, last like, thing I bought at a GameStop was my Switch, and that was like a year ago, at least. Right. I mean, I do think that there's still a mar market for hardware there, uh, and if they close down before like the new consoles launches, it'd be a shame, because uh, I was reading that the stock price and their actual value went up significantly when the PS4 and Xbox One came out, uh, because people don't want to buy hardware off Amazon. <laughs> Uh, because Amazon has like this thing where they like just never ship anything on time, um, and a lot of people like I don't know if it's just old school for me, but um, I like going in, getting my shit, and going home and having it. Uh, yeah, like you know what I mean. So especially when it comes to like a new console release or something like that, which only happens once every several years. So. Yeah, it's going to be a shame if, like, everything shits the bed and they're out of business before the new console is launched, because I think that could get them a little bit more oomph um, and allow them to get some time to restructure some things here and there. I just, I want them to die at this point. Like, I have nothing you against physical die. game sales. I love uh, shopping at my mom-and-pop game stores. Unfortunately, there isn't really one around here that I found, so it's GameStop or, like, I don't know, I guess Best Buy, maybe, or I'm just stuck with Amazon, but, like, the actual GameStop shopping experience is just so terrible, and it has only gotten worse. Like, that store... Yeah, it's pretty bad. You're right, man. At this point, it's a nerd cave full of Funko Pops. They have, like, six TVs blaring crap that uh, about games that I don't want to pre-order, but they're going to ask me if I want to pre-order them. And they keep trying to get you to buy the insurance on the fucking game. Oh, Lord. When, when I bought my Switch, the lady asked me if I wanted the insurance. I said no. Then she asked me if I wanted, like, anything with the console. And I said no. And I know that selling a bear system doesn't look good for their numbers because of how they're structured. Not really my problem. Then she offered me the insurance two times again. And the last time she insinuated that I was going to break the fucking console, which... I have consoles that are older than me that still work. Like, I and they, at, at that point, I, I came, I didn't because I wanted the Switch, but I was that close to just walking out because yeah, it's a dude. terrible, terrible shopping experience. They try so hard to nag you. Like, you can't just... So, like, the one I, I live close to, I understand this is just a specific one, um... They are pretty good. Like they know that like I'm a regular and they don't nag me for shit, you know. And like and by regular, man, like I never really go in there. But like I, I 
been there a few times and I'm actually friends with one of the guys that works there. So like, they're like, Hey, you know, it's like, stop nagging them about shit. Yeah. So like, that's cool. But like their job literally in their training is to just like nag you until you buy all the shit that you don't need. Well, that's uh that's just corporate sales positions all around, except they're not commissioned because of course they aren't. Um, no, I'm, I hope that like someone, even if it's just like buying them and trying to pivot, like, I hope someone fills the void of physical game sales, though, like a, a large chain for it, because I don't want to have to resort to Amazon all the time. Yeah, I don't either. And I mean, I still buy physical games every once in a while, uh, but it's pretty rare. Like, I'm all digital on my Switch. I'm like, I have an Xbox and a PlayStation. I'm almost entirely digital on my Xbox as well. I still buy hard copies of games that I may feel like I don't want to play forever. Like if I buy like, I don't know, a sports game or like something I know that I'm going to trade in at some point, I'll buy a hard copy of it. Um, so it's good to have like the option to go buy a physical copy of a game. And unfortunately at all stores that you go to, it's like super difficult to do. Like if you go to Walmart or something to buy a hard copy of a game, you have to like find some random person it's like a it, fucking scavenger hunt trying to find an employee to a unlock the fucking glass. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> to unlock the case, get somebody to fucking get the game. And then it's always like, oh, I'll get somebody over there as soon as I can. And then you're standing there for like 20 minutes. It's like, yeah. what a waste of fucking time. Yeah, it's like, can you get my game out of jail, please? Like, it's six. It's a $60 fucking game, dude. Like, yeah, they don't lock up. They don't even lock up their fucking TVs. For fuck's sake, <laughs> right? Like, but they're locking up the games behind a glass case. Like, it, it doesn't make any fucking sense to me, man. Yeah. And uh, like, same with Best Buy. Like, they don't ever put everything out. Um, like, sometimes like it'll be the launch of a new game or something. I go in there and like it's just like not on the shelf. So, like, some stores that don't focus on games just don't put it as a priority. Um. And that's not the case for, like, all stores, but it's just been my experience with a lot of, like, shopping for physical games, like, whether it be at Target, Best Buy, Walmart, whatever. Yeah, uh, that, that, the, just... the thing is, like, there are stores that happen to sell games, but it's, like, the difference between, like, I can buy CDs at Walmart, too, but I still, like, go to a record store to actually shop for music sometimes just because I like the experience, and also, like... They have, it's dedicated to the medium, so they have, like, archives of older stuff that um, the other stores are going to clear out really quick because they need the space for the new games. Right. Yeah, man, it, it, I do appreciate that, like, I can go into GameStop and be like, hey, I want this game, and then, like, I don't even have to worry about it. Like, I know they have it, and I can get it. Um, but I also, ju I just don't like their business practices like no, i don't they're... like being asked to pre-order stuff that they don't even they like do you want to pre-order this game do you want to pre-order this game it's like dude like i've just got here like what makes you think i want any of those games like why are you suggesting games to me right now to pre-order yeah and like just the scummy shit that they would do on the back end like i remember when the switch first came out and we got one just to kind of review and then like just sell it uh, or sell it onto eBay for essentially what we bought it for. Um, 
they were doing things like, oh, you can't buy the Switch separately, you have to bundle it with this stuff, which uh, isn't kosher. Or I remember that. When they got caught taking new copies of uh, Xenoblade Chronicles 3, blading them open and selling them as used because there was more margin on the used copy. Oh, yeah. Man, that's crazy. Yeah, or like the, the fact that like they tried to get into retro gaming and had... No idea what they were doing, so you could, like, you could, when, if you bought retro games at GameStop, you might get fakes to, like, even obvious fakes, like, uh, a copy of Chrono Trigger with a red shell. Yeah, I saw a couple of YouTube unboxings of some of that retro stuff, people complaining about it. They were trying to restructure how the, how the actual stores are set up, um, and they wanted them to be like, game lounges or something where people can like go and hang out and talk about games and play video games and like watch shit or whatever. Yeah, and I kind of like that's not the worst idea um I've heard. But I think I think the real question is what would you do in their shoes because I have a feeling that they're just going to half ass this like they half ass everything else. And like Yeah. But I feel like this is like a last ditch effort, so it's like I mean you could try to half ass this, but because you've has to half assed everything else, like you're just gonna spend more money to put yourself out of business eventually anyway. Yeah. You're just prolonging the inevitable. I think what I would do if I were them is uh I would actually like the the idea of making their stores an experience isn't a bad idea. If you think about game stores they learn like and I mean like tabletop games and card shops they largely thrive off of having, like, Magic the Gathering, or people playing Warhammer, or people playing D&D. If GameStop did stuff like held tournaments, held theme game nights, like... Do you remember even the midnight releases being a huge thing until they stopped doing them for some god-awfully stupid reason? Yeah, I do remember those. Like, bring those, bring all that stuff, or bring that the midnight releases back, do all that stuff, maybe toss in a few arcade machines... Just, like, have give people a reason to come into your store. Yeah, instead of, like, dude, it's like a, you know, like, I have a two-year-old, man, and, you know, like, when she's done, at the end of the day, when she's done, like, playing with her toys, like, there's a lot of shit to clean up, right? And that's what I feel like when I walk into a game store. Oh, yeah, it's basically, <laughs> like, well, it doesn't help that it's basically, like, half of them are closets that are shoved in between, like, a grocery store and a master's firm. Oh, I know. Is it, and sometimes there's just, like, this god-awful smell inside of a GameStop. Like, there's that GameStop smell, man. Oh, yeah. yeah, I know what you mean. They need to close a bunch of locations that just aren't aren't big enough to do what they need to. Because they're not going to get rid of that ThinkGeek stuff. They probably... That's probably their only moneymaker at this point. Another thing I would do that I thought was an interesting idea... People seem to like physical releases of popular indie games, or just popular digital-only games in general... And GameStop has the infrastructure to pump out cases and labels, so with the waning of their used business in general, they should kind of pivot to that, and they could be like, hey, you can get uh, Stardew Valley, a physical copy, at retail. You don't have to order from some boutique guy. Um, right. You can just come in and pick it up. That would That would be something that I would do. Yeah, for sure, man. I mean, that'd be good for collectors. Uh... Yeah, they they just they they need something 
like that is going to attract people that will pop up in a press release on IGN and people will be like, holy shit, that sounds cool. I think I don't know what that is, honestly, but it, it's got to be something like that. They need a huge change, step forward, some, some new direction. Oh yeah, they let they just let stuff pass them. Like their solution to being faced with the conundrum of digital becoming a larger thing was to buy a seri- like a a retailer that or not a retailer but like buy a company that repairs iPhones. I remember that. They got in this whole shady ass phone business. Yeah, like I I don't trust GameStop to refurbish my game console. Why would I take my phone there to get fixed? Yeah, no shit. And that that's another thing they need to do. Like, they, they need to stop having the shoddy repair work on their used consoles. Like, I know what they're trying to do. It's the same thing they're trying to do with the games. They want to squeeze as much margin out of each individual thing as possible without realizing that, like, if you do quality work... Or with the games, if you sell the used games at for less money, you might get less margin per game, but you're still going to get more margin because people actually want to buy it. That was one of the reasons why I enjoyed going to GameStop, was because I could walk in with a 20 and walk out with a, maybe a couple games. Yeah, for sure. And they've, they've been actually pretty good about their like big sales recently. Um, they've had like pretty new and relevant games for like really cheap fucking prices. Uh, with like random sales lately um but yeah like the whole used concept like they try to push used so hard and like sometimes i just want to buy a new copy of a game and if your used copy is one dollar cheaper than the new copy i'm not gonna buy the used copy yeah and straight up if you want me to buy the used copy make it like 25 percent less do not just sell me like if assassin's creed odyssey is on sale new for twenty dollars and so you bump down your use price temporarily to nineteen dollars. No one is gonna buy it used for nineteen dollars. No one is gonna say no one's gonna come in there and be like, you know what? I really need to save that one dollar to get that shitty fucking scratched ass disc that you guys are about to give me, like instead of the nice shrink wrap new copy of a game. Yeah. Um, they it, just need they it's bad. Yeah, and like the 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 different prices for power up rewards members or whatever, which usually only amounts to like a three dollar difference anyway. Just dump it. Like it's it doesn't work. Yeah, I agree. The whole, I mean, they have like the reward certificate, and if you're active enough with them, then you can save a little bit of money here and there. But it's just not. It's not worth it, and they've made it to where, like, you have to have it to shop at their store. Yeah. they. What they need to like do you, is they basically need to rip off that old, like, Best Buy stopped doing it, but, like, the Gamers Club Unlocked thing where they gave you a ton of benefits, like, $10 off of new releases. Yeah, and Amazon had something similar there for a little bit, too, where, like, if you pre-ordered through Amazon, you got a discount on the game. Like, GameStop never did that. No. Like, they just, they kept it the same... They never did that. Like, fucking Best Buy's Gamers Club Unlocked was amazing. That was, like, a hell of a deal. That oh, was, yeah. like, really good. Like, if you bought a lot of new games, like, saved a shit ton of money through that. And the, um, another thing you should do you is, like, if you had that program and you charged for it, not a lot, because they charged for Gamers Club Unlocked, but it was, like, 20 bucks a year. 
You have uh, you have that. Like you have uh, ten dollars off new games that are bought in store, and you make sure to say it has to be in store. Um, but you can reserve them online. You have it so that like they get a free uh, subscription to Game Informer or EGM or whatever fucking I can't remember the magazine that they do actually. Is it Game Informer? Yeah, it is. Okay. Yeah. Um, so you get a free subscription to Game Informer that tells you what all the new games and stuff are coming out. And that also has coupons that you use at the GameStop. So that, like, people have an incentive to come into the store physically. Yeah. And don't force them to spend a ton of money at your store to get these coupons. Like, like you can get reward certificates and stuff, but, like, you have to do, like, a lot of shit. Yeah, their rewards program was terrible. Like... It's not good. The the only way that you would... Honestly, the only way that you would make enough uh, rewards points to do anything is if you were one of those people who would, like, buy a game, play it, and trade it in, and essentially, like, use them as a blockbuster, which I guess is what they wanted people to do. They tried that for a little while, where I don't know if they still have it, where, like, if you bought a used game there, you could trade it in for full price within a week. I don't know if that's still a thing, but, like, back when the PSN went down, and all I could play was single-player games. Dude, like, I took big advantage of that. Literally, I would buy a used game, play it, return it within a week after I beat it, and get full price for it. And just I just kept doing it. It was essentially a blockbuster for me for, like, six weeks while the PSN was down. Yeah, I think they had that, and then they, like, stopped doing it after a while. They also had that thing where, like, they were testing it. I don't know if it got out of pilot or if it just was, like, national for five seconds and then died. But, um, you could pay a monthly fee to essentially, like, it was a pl- it was a game fly. Like, you would get copies of games, you could play them, return them, get more games. Which isn't a bad concept, but then you're essentially taking your used stock and making it way shittier. <laughs> yeah, you are. Like, I think the reason they did that is so they, I mean, I could be wrong, but, like, the reason they did that was to produce more u- more copies of used games um, to sell to people. Yeah, and they can also uh, double and... dip on their uh, used stuff, too, because if they're not, like, if they have a used game that isn't selling, people still might rent it, I guess. Yeah, they did also test something with Days Gone. I haven't seen this tested with any other game, but, like, basically, um, you could buy a new copy of the game, and you have 48 hours to return it at full price. That's really cool. I wish they had had that uh, policy back in the day, because back in the day it was just, if you bought a full-price game and either you didn't like it or you felt like you got bait-and-switched or whatever the problem was, if you brought it back, they wouldn't take it. But if it was a used copy, they would gladly take it. Yep, for sure. And it was funny they did that with Days Gone, because that was like one of the most, I don't know, controversial releases in terms of Sony first party in a really long time uh, in terms of like mixed reception um, and actual overall bugginess of the game at launch. So like, I mean, I even asked one of my friends that actually works at GameStop. I was like, did you get a lot of people to return that? He's like, actually, yeah. You know, like it, like, and I don't know if that's good or not. Like, I don't know if that's going to like make them want to do that again. I haven't seen them do that again with any games. It was literally just days gone. It's like, okay, they tested it, and they clearly 
didn't work out for them because they haven't done it again. I think part of the issue is that like they are so there they were, still are, but like they they're just slow, slow at like experimenting to to the point where they don't have the leeway to experiment anymore. It's really just we need an infusion of capital somewhere. Right. I think they're just like really testing the waters and looking for that next big thing that like gets people in the fucking door. And all these little things are not it. No. Um they need some like really big overhaul of the way their business is run. Yeah, they need a comprehensive overhaul. They need to admit to people that yes, we know the GameStop experience has sucked for years. We're aware, we're improving. Honestly, to the point where like dump the GameStop name and like go under EB Games. Yeah. <laughs> that I mean... might be a good idea. <laughs> I mean, it's rough, man. Like, I know the employees are in there, and they're, like, just doing what they're told in terms of, like, trying to push it on you. But, like, you can't do it to the point where you're keeping people from wanting to come to your store or, keep like, preventing some people from, like, buying product at your store because you're annoying the shit out of them. Yeah, especially, like, the people that you don't want to try to push stuff on are... And I know I'm stereotyping here, but I include myself in the stereotype. Socially awkward nerds. Like, people don't like to talk to people when they go out to stores. Or at least people of that disposition. We're also in a time where it's like 2019 and most consumers are educated on their purchases before purchasing them. Like, this is a day and age where, like, especially in video gaming... Embargoes are lifted before launch. People are very educated on the games they're going in and buying. People know what they want to buy, and they don't need you pushing other shit on them. Like, if I go to a store and I'm like, hey, I want this game. Do you want the DLC? No. Are you sure? Because it's got this and this and this, and you can't do this without it. It's like, look, I know all of that. Don't want it. Okay, well, uh, do you want to pre-order this game? Never even mentioned that game in this conversation. Why would I want to pre-order it? Like, just, like, to, like, it, and I know this is, like, kind of an individual thing. Like, just take the hint, dude. Oh, yeah. They, you know? they are way too pushy. And the thing is, like, I will forget shit at the grocery store. But if I'm going into a game shop, GameStop, I make damn well sure I know what I'm buying. And part of that is that I don't want to spend much time in that store. Like. Yeah. It, it's just the shitty garage sale atmosphere of it, where there's, like, a bunch of, uh, just random nerd crap sitting around. And enough with the Funko Pops already, Jesus. You know, a funny story, I was at a GameStop, maybe, several, it was a few months ago, uh, and someone had bought a hundred Funko Pop figures, and was returning all of them. And... They had, like, bought them on this sale where it was, like, buy two, get one half off or something. So they had to, like, refund them in this, like, special fucking way. And, like, I could just tell that was a nightmare for, like, the employee. Man. Yeah, that sounds like, terrible. It's, I mean, it's just, they have these game cases spread out all over the fucking walls. And, like, nobody stands there and looks at games like that anymore. This isn't a fucking bookstore. This isn't a library. Nobody goes and looks at game cases and decides what they want to buy. Most of the people that walk into a GameStop go straight to the fucking register. Like, they just need a whole, like, the whole 
design of the store, the way things are set up, the way they sell product, it all needs to be restructured. The thing is, I, w- I would browse, like, like essentially a bookstore, like how people, like, how you used to, if their used game prices weren't complete ass. And also, I do have to say, like, the, the people who are suffering here are the employees, like, and especially the frontline workers, I do feel bad for them. They had to deal with that whole, like, circle program uh, that was in the news, like, two years ago, which yeah. was just a really fucking gross way of, like, pushing people to sell and punishing people for not. And now they have to deal with the fact that, like, they don't have, like, not having regional or district managers might actually be a relief, but they don't have loss prevention people. They fired a bunch of those, too. Right. So, now all the Funko Pops are just gonna get stolen. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know, they shuttered uh, ThinkGeek as well. I actually bought a bunch of stuff off of ThinkGeek when it was closing down because everything was like 75% off. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Supposedly they're unifying that into the GameStop brand, like... I don't know if that was a good move. Yeah, I, I'm not sure either, especially since it's been rumored for a long time that GameStop is struggling. Okay, yeah, I feel like at this point, they're just the, the name GameStop is a poison pill. Like, another thing they could have rebranded was, like, Think Geek, Think Geek Gamers or something. Like, pull that out of your ass. Right. But I don't know. And it's... That I th- guess that's my final thoughts on it. Like, I hope they just... If they're going to crash and burn, I hope they do it soon so that we can get whoever's going to be the successor. Yeah. Um, I would say, like, my final thoughts are they they have two routes they can go here. They can be the next blockbuster um, where it, they just shut down and, you know, we start to see physical media in general in terms of gaming just go by the wayside. Um or they can just really restructure what it means to be a GameStop uh, and not just be like, but also be a little bit more than that um, and cater to a very specific gaming audience instead of trying to just sell shit to anybody and everybody that would ever walk into their store. Yeah, it's almost, um, a, it's almost a game store that is structured around selling things to your grandma. Right. Like, it's almost designed to just sell shit to, pe- to little kids' parents. And yeah. not to actual, like, gamers, which is a mistake. And also, opinion. they uh, they yanked out all the demo consoles, which I didn't think was a good idea, but they need that space for weird, giant Super Metroid boxes that have t-shirts in them? <laughs> yeah, they just do some really weird shit <laughs> in their stores man it's just like it's like um, and, and a lot of it's just like not high quality shit either it's like really cheap like toy stuff yeah. like I would kill for like a really nice like um, so for I'll, I'll give you a comparison for example like there's the Nintendo World Store or now it's Nintendo New York uh, here in New York and they sell like tons of like albeit Nintendo-related video game stuff um, in terms of, like, shirts and backpacks and freaking socks and just a whole variety of, like, 
you know, game stuff, hats, hoodies, etc. And um, they're all really high quality. Like all like the shirts I bought from there, are like super high quality. They they are really good um, shit that like I don't feel bad for wearing, and I can wash more than like once or twice before it completely goes to shit. And um, like back when they did like a crossover with Nintendo and Vans, and they were, like actually selling Vans like uh with like nintendo designs on them and shit so like it was it was high quality shit that they were selling um to gamers and it wasn't just like cheap shit that like a five-year-old would want yeah i mean the the thing about the the cheap shit that they sell at gamestop is that it's also expensive like yeah it's not cheap man it's really not no and for who who is the market for pop culture characters largely from movies as interpreted by Seth MacFarlane. Because that was a thing they were selling. I can't remember who it was. I think it was like one of the characters from Predator. Oh, man. And I'm just sitting here like, this was made for one person who already owns it. Who already owns it? <laughs> that was good. Oh, man. But, I don't know. Um, what, what else we got in the news? So, I actually wanted to touch on something that I found interesting. EA came out and uh, addressed why they haven't really supported the Switch much um, in terms of like whether it be ports or just original titles in general um, as compared to a variety of other publishers that have really uh, managed to support the Switch a lot. Uh, and I have a quote here from, let's see, what was his name? Wilson. Um, the guy from Home Improvement? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, Tim, you see, I... <laughs> no, the CEO, Andrew Wilson. Ah. <laughs> uh, he... <laughs> that was, I'm still laughing. Sorry. Um, he said, anytime we're evaluating platform conversations, we're really looking at a couple of things. One, does the game really fit the profile of the platform in terms of the control of the community ecosystem? Two, do we think the community playing on that platform would appreciate the game to go there, or would they prefer to play it somewhere else? We have a lot of data that would suggest a great many Switch owners also own a PlayStation 4 or Xbox One or PC and very often choose to play the games that we make on those platforms, even though they have a Switch and they enjoy a lot of great content on the Switch. And so there is always an evaluation process that goes on case-by-case basis, and I wouldn't say that The Sims would never go to the Switch, but I think... We're doing really, really well attracting Sims players. As we said, we did the promotion in the last couple of months and brought in 7 million new Sims players that we expect will engage in the community on a platform that is really tailored to the user-generated content, creativity, and customization. This was in an interview where he was asked, why can't the Sims be on Switch, essentially? Um, Horseshit. Because it... Yeah. Like, this is complete and utter bullshit. Now, I'm sorry, but like... This is, in my opinion, an excuse to cover their ass for investors as to why they're not putting games on the Switch because the Switch is selling like hotcakes right now and doing really fucking well, and actually ports are doing pretty well over there. Um, and EA was one of the few publishers that didn't get in on the Switch early. Um, they ported FIFA over there, and it was a dumbed-down version of P- FIFA 
it didn't even have all the modes that FIFA had, and it apparently ran like shit. Um, so they basically half put a half-assed FIFA effort on Switch and said, literally came out and said, um, we'll judge whether we put future games on Switch by how FIFA does. I'm like, okay, I get it. Like, FIFA is a huge seller for you guys, but, like, tons of Switch players do not give a fuck about FIFA. Yeah, All right? like... like that's a weird pick. And also, yeah. the, the, the reason why that was basically just a ball of corporate newspeak is exactly the investor thing. Because they can't get out there and admit, the reason The Sims isn't on Switch is because we can barely make it run well on a PC. Like, that, I right. played that game, I actually enjoy that game a surprising amount, but the UI, the UX, and just the, the, the glitches in that game are awful. Like, the... Danny made a beautiful, like, it, it was a rendition of our house, like, down to the slightest detail, but we couldn't play in it because the pathfinding would screw up constantly. Yes, yeah, The Sims is a buggy mess, um, but I feel like they could have even, I mean, I'm going to list a few uh, ports that have done really well on the Switch since it released Doom from 2016, Diablo 3, Dark Souls. Actually, Dark Souls play on the Switch plays better than the PS3 360 version, in my opinion. Uh, Fortnite, Minecraft, these all are doing great on the Switch. Great ports, right? Like, EA could have done well to port anything, something like, I don't know, Need for Speed, Mass Effect, Dead Space, Dragon Age. Like, they could have ported any of those games over to the Switch and used that to judge how the Switch, like, like whether they want to port stuff over. But no, they chose FIFA. Like, basically, <laughs> if you don't like soccer, like, if, if you're not into fucking soccer and FIFA, too bad. Like, if you wanted EA games on the Switch, you should you should buy that. Yeah, I know. I mean, at least, like at least try it with saying. a Madden release. Why FIFA? Yeah, I know. Like, what the fuck, dude? They, they literally did that just because they're like, well, this is our best-selling franchise. If people don't buy this on Switch, they won't buy anything on Switch. And it's like that you you got a different audience on Switch, man. Like you straight up just you just do. And like the thing is, like porting older stuff like that would also let them get the hang of the hardware. Because if you can if we can port Doom to that console, you could port a lot of things to that console. I agree. And speaking of ports, Outer Worlds is coming to the Switch, which is like a huge open-world game uh, done by the people that did Fallout New Vegas, Obsidian. That's coming to the Switch. That just got announced, like, a few days ago. That's insane. If that can run on the Switch, like, come on, dude. Seriously? Yeah, I mean, the thing is, like, it's not like... It's not like porting or backporting back in the day. Like, the Switch... It doesn't have the horsepower of the newer consoles, but you're also not pushing the same level of graphical fidelity. And once you turn that down, you basically have the leeway. Like, the memory access is, uh, it's fast, it's, like, on parity, speed-wise, with the, uh, PS4 and the, uh, X-Bone. And the storage access is faster because neither of those consoles are solid-state. I mean, unless right. you happen to put a solid-state drive in your PS4. But, yeah, like, the man. Switch is. It, granted, it's not, like, huge, unless you get an SD card, but, like, it's still a console that you don't have to worry about a physical hard drive with. Right. 
I mean, it, I just... It's disappointing because EA has, like, a lot of good IP uh, that I would have liked to see on the Switch. Um, and for them to just say that, they're like, their excuse to not have games on Switch is that they have data that says that people would rather play their games somewhere else. Yeah. It's like, yeah, but that's not everybody. Well, like, like you and said, how, it was an and how, and how accurate could your data possibly be because the only game you really ever put on Switch was FIFA. And also, how do you judge, like, people not buying something? That's a weird thing to judge. Right. But, and then just assuming that they won't. Like, yeah. they're like, you know, we didn't put Mass Effect on the Switch because, let's be real, people wouldn't buy it. Yeah, nobody wants to what? play Mass Effect portably or anything. Yeah, not at all. Like, th that's the whole appeal of the fucking Switch, man. Like, I almost bought Doom twice. And almost played it twice just to have Doom on the Switch. Like, having shit on the go is just like this whole new new thing. Like, having these really large-scale games. Like, having Skyrim on the go. Like, man, when the Vita came out, like, the thought of having a game like Skyrim in my backpack was, like, unfathomable. Well, to be fair to the Vita, like, Gearbox was able to get Borderlands 2 on that system. Yeah, it ran like shit. But yeah, I bought it and I played it. <laughs> and I like and I liked it. Yeah. Because I love Borderlands and it was on the go and almost dude, like I will take a like hit in um like graphical fidelity or resolution or you know, even a little bit of frame rate if I can have that game on the go. Because it's important to me. Specifically in my lifestyle. Like Dragon Quest Builders two came out on everything, but I bought it on Switch. Yeah. It doesn't run quite as well on Switch, but I bought it on Switch because to me is like having that game on the go is way more important than having it run at sixty frames per second. Yeah. And the fact of the matter is Nintendo already proved that like an EA style open world game can be done on the Switch because that's essentially what Breath of the Wild was. Like I know. I, I'm not I don't wanna piss off Breath of the Wild fans because I think it it's a better game than like random Assassin's Creed number twenty three. But right. that's that style of game already done at launch. Yeah. Yeah, at launch. Like, and they're about to make a Breath of the Wild sequel. You, you mean, know what I think one of the real things might be? Um, the Switch doesn't really have the same online infrastructure that the PS4 or the Xbox or the PC do. So you can't get people into the same games-as-a-service Skinner boxes that uh, right. you can on those consoles, and that's EA's bread and butter. That's why they picked FIFA, is because, like, the Ultimate Team mode is, like, a huge chunk of their uh, profit. Like, a significant one. I know. Yeah, and, you know, to that point, the whole Ultimate Team mode. Um, and I don't know, I should check on this, um, but I don't know if it's 100% true, but... Uh, by default, Nintendo limits the amount you can spend per day on the eShop. Yeah, it doesn't surprise uh, me. Uh, they don't allow, like, astronomical spending. Like, the PS4 and Xbox One, you literally spend, like, thousands of dollars a day. Like, and, they, and that's fine. Um, but I think there is, like, a cap on the uh, Nintendo eShop that'll be like, hey, you reached your cap for today, you can't spend any more money. Um, 
and believe it or not, there are people that are totally addicted to this freaking ultimate team RNG shit uh, that will literally spend like thousands of dollars on it. You know what they're going to do? They're going to be like, we heard you reporting Anthem to the Switch. (laughs) (laughs) An always online disaster of a game. It's going to lose all support. Get get your Switch, Brits. (laughs) Yep. Oh my god, dude. I don't know. I yeah, think that, that, that like, was something I wanted to... Uh, um, I think that EA and Activision are just in a race to the bottom when it comes to video games. Yeah. Activision, I don't think... It, I mean, I used to think Activision was, um, like, just the worst. But I think, like, the more that EA says... Like, the more articles I read around, like, EA's statements and the reasons why they do this or that, like, it just always just seem to fucking irritate me. At least Activision has the not like has the right of mind to keep their mouth shut. Um like the so Bungie with Destiny two separated from uh Activision. Um so Bungie owns the Destiny IP now and there's a new uh DLC Shadow Keep coming out for Destiny two soon and there was a delay by, I think, about a month, maybe a few weeks, um, that they announced this week. Uh, and De- Destiny fans are celebrating it. Um, because, like, in their their mind, like, if they were still under Activision, Activision would have just made them release it anyway. Yeah. Um, there would have been no delay. They would have just released a buggy mess because Activision doesn't give a fuck. And the, the thing is, like... Now that Destiny's free out of Activ- free from Activision, they're probably going to do games as a service the best way that you possibly can. Same with, like, look at IO Interactive and Hitman 2. Like, they have supported that game like gangbusters, and they have gotten paid for it. Like, it has definitely paid off for them. Right. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense, man. And, like, this... This kind of stuff here, like these statements, like dude, the Switch is almost sur- like is getting to the point where they're coming close to surpassing Xbox One sales. Um, there is a very large um, amount of Switch owners out there right now. So to just pretend like this console doesn't exist is kind of out of the question at this point. And this is why the statement was released so that invest so the investors don't have to be like, yo, like Switch has like. 40 million in sales and you're not making any games for it. Yeah. Cuz like, it, logically it makes way from... more sense to cut out the Xbone. Like you if you already have the PS4 and PC market like the the Xbone is largely redundant. Yeah. I mean it is, but like that'll never happen. I'm sure that like EA has like a ton of fucking exclusivity deals I'm sure with yeah. Xbox. I mean EA Access started on on Xbox. That's a good point. And it's also like it's an easier port target on the Switch, so they wouldn't they wouldn't give that up. Yeah. I mean it, it's basically the same hardware. So it's like I mean I, I from a developer standpoint I understand it's not copy and paste, but dude, it's like really close. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty fucking close. Like you have to you know, you have to change a few API calls here and there. But yeah, right. but the hardware is just so similar these days. Like we're not talking the PS3 like cell processor and shit like that, but like they're they're very similar in build. 
That is a good point. On the Switch, it would be like the the PS4, Xbox 360, or Xbox 360. Wow, I'm an old ass man. The <laughs> PS4, the Xbone, and the PC are all uh, x86, and the Switch is ARM code, so there is some porting to do there. Right. Not to say that like right. a company like EA with the coffers that they have can't invest that, but they're also a company like EA who's just trying to squeeze the most out of every dollar they can. Always. It's always about the bottom line with shit like that, man. And the way they see it is like they didn't get in early enough, so it's like when do they get in and start like building some of their new games from scratch and getting them on Switch, right? Like, what's the next big thing that they start porting the Switch with, right? Because, like, the games that they were building when the Switch launched and dev kits were going out, EA was just like, no, I mean, we don't care. I mean, if they didn't have a habit of buying small uh, studios and then shuttering them just to, like, take their IPs and had kept some of these studios open, they could have had them focus on porting stuff to the Switch. Like, I know that's not the best, or that's not the most exciting work, but it's work that those people yeah. would have appreciated. For sure, man. And I mean, there's games like... I mean, The Sims is perfect fit for Switch. Like, and like... Some of those... Like, last-gen games. Like, how many last-gen games are getting ported to the Switch? I mean, the fact that Witcher 3 is getting ported to the Switch. Yeah, that, like, they... they and, CD Projekt Red was able to make that game fit on Switch. There's no excuse. Yeah, and CD Projekt Red is an independent studio. I mean, they're a really, really big independent studio, but still. Like, they don't have EA resources. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I don't know, EA was kind of always a money-first company, like... Trip Hawkins is the guy who started 3DO. True. So, I don't know, not, nothing new under the sun. Yeah, um, for sure. I didn't... I, I'm trying to remember if there was anything else I wanted to cover. Um, not, for me, not really. I think I covered a couple of other things that I was interested in during that... Um, like Outer Worlds coming to Switch was a pretty big announcement for yeah. me. Uh, like that's definitely something I'd be, you know, depending on how it runs, I'd be interested in picking it up there. Yeah, I'm gonna have to uh, start clipping articles and uh, saving them. Um, one thing that did happen that uh, the new Street Fighter characters got leaked and nobody cares. <laughs> oh, <laughs> it's like speaking of speaking of dead games. Go ahead. It's like, uh, it's Poison, which, sure, E-Honda, which uh, I think everyone knew that was coming, and some new chick who is yet another blonde fighter with random elemental power. Interesting. Not yeah, really. Man. Not really. <laughs> Not at all. There's apparently some bigger announcement that they were saving for Evo that's going to happen, but, like... It it is going to be an expanded arcade edition mode, but the thing is, like, unless you completely restructure how that game plays, no one's gonna come back to it who isn't already playing it. True that. And I would love for Capcom to make Street Fighter Six the way Capcom made Resident Evil Seven and Resident Evil Two Remake and uh 
Monster Hunter, like those, the, that level of quality we should get out of the next Street Fighter game. But Capcom's I don't think it's going to happen. I mean, I wouldn't put a bet. Like, they've really been on a roll lately, man. I don't know. It's like the only part of their studio that they haven't restructured. I guess that's true. So I don't know if they think that uh, Ono's doing a good job, or if they just don't want to invest the money in it because they think it's too niche. But they cranked out a Mega Man game that people liked. Yeah, that's true. In 2019. <laughs> yeah, it's shocking, to be completely honest. Yeah. Um, speaking of new fighters, Smash Ultimate got the Dragon Quest heroes. Um, and it is like people are so divided. The community is so divided on this right now because it's this weird mess of combat systems that are purely random, like oh, RNG based. Like, ooh. yeah. Me. So like, like I think it's the down B, and I haven't played this character yet. It's just stuff I'm reading. Uh, is allotment of one of eighteen different moves when using that, um, and I'm. Some people are saying it's way too OP, that it can't be used in competitive, um, because, like, people are saying, like, at the end of a round, it's hard to say whether someone won or lost based purely on luck because of the moveset that they ended up with. Like, it's completely crazy. I've watched a few videos on it, and people are coming away, like, either really pissed off or actually liking it a lot. Um, from casual for casual play, I, I have seen it and thought, man, that looks pretty fucking fun. Well, yeah, um, for for casual play, that's basically a character with items strapped to them. Exactly right. Um, and then for competitive play, it's like it's opposite. Well, yeah, competitive play, like any RNG stuff, is going to make competitive play in any fighting game worse. Like. Even just something simple like the uh, Mr. Game & Watch hammer move that hit for a random value. Like, how are you supposed to pull that out reliably? Like, there is no reliably with RNG. There just isn't. The only the closest thing to an RNG character that I've seen that worked was Faust in Guilty Gear. And that's because when you did the moves where he threw weapons, A, you could see what he was throwing before it came back down on the screen and became active, and B you still had a choice of what type of random thing you were going to get. Right. But, yeah, I don't know. Um, I've kind of, like, hung up my Smash Spurs. That's a weird way to put that. <laughs> I kind of <laughs> retired myself from that game, because I want to focus on um, actual fighting games to sound like a snob for five seconds. No, you're good. And... I, I just, I really don't want to waste the time getting good at that when I can just play it casually and have just as much fun, if not more so, because I'm not salty about losing. Right. But yeah, I, I do, as an aside, I do find it funny that uh, the Dragon Quest heroes being in this game is a big deal for Japan, but over here nobody knows who the hell they are, and with Banjo-Kazooie it's the exact opposite. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I thought that was funny too. Yeah, you have to be, like, kind of a hardcore Dragon Quest fan, which, um, what's his name on Kotaku, who reviews everything Dragon Quest? I can't think of his name right now. 
but like his Dragon Quest videos are insanely hilarious. Like he goes into these. Like I think his Dragon Quest Eleven view review is like thirty five minutes long. Wow. Where he just like gushed about Dragon Quest. Um, it's great if you have a chance. Check it out. I'll good, have to take a content. look. But um, yeah, I don't. In in non uh, gaming news, I found the only McDonald's without a drive-through today. Oh, I have tons of McDonald's without drive-throughs here, but I'm in Brooklyn. So. Yeah, that that makes sense where you are. Like this, <laughs> this was still a McDonald's that you have to drive through. Or not drive through, yeah. drive to. Like, and it wasn't that the drive through was just closed. There just wasn't one. So they have a parking lot. You have to get out of your car and walk in and order your food. Yeah, and they had a sign that was like, kind "Skip the line and order with the app." And I'm like, uh, "It's raining." And also, you have <laughs> misinterpreted what this transaction is. I'm sh- I'm already buying McDonald's, which means that I'm a garbage ass human being who doesn't like to use his legs. <laughs> Don't make me get out of my car. <laughs> What's your go-to McDonald's order, man? Um, I usually get, like, two double cheeseburgers with no pickle and two McChickens. I usually skip the fries okay. because, like, like like the Dragon Quest hero, it is just RNG as to whether or not they're going to be good. Right. So I'm lucky enough that the McDonald's I'm close to is busy literally at all hours, all the fucking time, so the fries are always fresh. That's rad. 100% of the time. I don't think I've ever got fries from there not fresh even when i go like midnight um my go-to is like the 10 piece chicken nugget man yeah i i like chicken nuggets but they're too like expensive if i'm gonna get chicken nuggets i'm gonna get them from burger king because you could get like a hundred nuggets for ten (laughs) dollars yeah they're really fucking cheap dude but they're not very good well they they're they're good they're good for like while they're the hot in the same way that Little Caesars is good while it's hot. <laughs> they, I mean, they're good it, because you're getting 100 chicken nuggets for $10. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, McDonald's has some bomb-ass chicken nuggets, in my opinion. I, they I do. I, like... They're the original. Um, yeah. But, yeah, like, I'm not... I'm already coming to McDonald's so that I can be as lazy as possible. I don't want to have to walk inside a building and talk to somebody to get a parody of a hamburger. That's literally the reason you're going to a McDonald's. Yeah. It's like, I, sometimes I even drive to the one McDonald's in my neighborhood with a drive-thru so I don't have to get out of my car. Yeah, exactly. But, but I have to go to McDonald's every once in a while for, you know, the Happy Meal or whatever my kid asks for. You know, like, so, you know, every once in a while... I'll get her a Happy Meal or something, and then I have to go to McDonald's, so I'm like, oh, well, I might as well eat while I'm here. And so it's like having to deal with the McDonald's crowd and the people indoors inside McDonald's is just not something I ever enjoy doing. Yeah, exactly. And, like, you you get the weird fry stink when you walk into McDonald's. Yeah. And it just reminds you of what you're doing to your body. (laughs) You're just like, yeah, damn it. Let's leave. (laughs) Get out of here now. Yeah, it's like, it smells like whatever you're cooking, it's in a vat, and that's not great. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like industrial storage solutions for my food, even though no. that's a lot of my food. I just don't like to be reminded of it. Yeah, definitely not. But anyway, this has been stupid, bougie, firstest of first world problems. Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, but yeah, did we have anything else we wanted to cover? No, I think I think I got everything. 
Well, um, I guess that's it for us. Uh, we will catch you in two weeks. Two weeks. I think we're two trying weeks. to do two weeks. Yeah. Show. So later. Later. <laughs>